0: On today's show, Alper and Shingun's Houston Rockets season review. How did Alp handle becoming the starting center for the Houston Rockets? What were the expectations heading into a year two for Alp? We take a look at one game, one play, and one number from this past season, as well as some of the standout moments throughout the year. How did he handle adjusting to things defensively as the Houston Rockets center? All of that and more come up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shingen, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal.
1: Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four,
0: three... Two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Give us your thoughts on Alperin Shingun's sophomore season. Give us your grade for how Alpi handled this past year let us know in the youtube comments now today's episode is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and as always thank you so much for making locked on rockets part of your day every single day whether it's on the way to work on your lunch break in the gym thank you for making lor part of your day every single day Joining us now to break down Alperin Shingun's season is none other than your weekly co-host Ali Khan Bajani, the X's and O's man. You can follow on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. And Ali Khan, it was a big year for Alperin Shingun, right? Stepping into the starting role with the absence of Christian Wood, the Rockets moving on, kind of just giving, well, I guess, you know, we got to backtrack a moment. He didn't step into the starting role right out of the gate, much to the chagrin of Rockets fans everywhere We're going to navigate this episode and try and take a look at some of the ups, some of the downs, some of the questions and concerns with LP moving forward, the fit, the talent. We'll revisit some of the games throughout the season that really stood out to us. We've got our one game, one play, and one number stats that we'll get to a little bit later on in the episode. But I think when you're looking at things for LP, just kind of on the surface, you know, 10,000 foot view here. I feel pretty encouraged about what we saw out of him. Right, step—he had some maybe not big shoes to fill, right? But it was a big opportunity for him to be thrown into that starting lineup again after, uh, you know, it didn't work out with Bruno Fernando. I, I guess that that's kind of like the weird thing, right? Is how this whole season started with Alp coming off the bench versus starting, which a lot of Rockets fans kind of presumed he would be the starter going into the season.
1: You know, when when I look at Alper and Shangun's season. There's a couple things I also try to keep in mind. One is is that he added more weight. Second thing is he was trying to establish himself offensively more than he did lap the previous season. And third, I, he was also trying to improve as a defensive player in a very limited scheme for him. Not a limited scheme, but more so he was limited to one scheme. And I think those three things are really important when you're trying to break down how he... Um, played through the course of the season any the ups and downs he had. And I think the first thing I actually want to ask you, Jackson, and when you were there in the locker room. Compared to what he was like his first year, do you feel like he was a lot more comfortable, not just in terms of his basketball play, but just overall comfortable being in the locker room his second year? Yeah, I did some bullshit.
0: <laughs> he absolutely was. No, look, L.P., The the chemistry that he, you know, showed and shared, you know, his relationships with his teammates, his ability to communicate both on and off the court with those guys, uh, I think it it absolutely got to a, a much better spot this past season, right? Last year, you know, he was thrown in to the fire, right? You know, didn't even, you know, barely spoke English, right? Needed, you know, really relied heavily on his translator. And obviously basketball is a game that, you know, you can get by, you understand the game regardless of a language barrier, but at the same time, there's certain things, being able to communicate on the court, being able to connect with your teammates, all those kinds of things that I'm sure got easier for him as he become as he became more acclimated to living here and working on his English and kind of getting past that kind of that culture shock maybe that he went through that first season. So yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, this past year, that was one of the areas that he grew the most in. And I think his teammates also... You know, grew like I guess their relationships with him grew as a direct result of that. Oh, look at you, you're muted. Look at those technical difficulties. Amazing. He's back. Don't worry, guys. We got him.
1: You know, I when I'm when I'm thinking about also, you know, not just his fit, but also now how he played and complimented other players on the floor. One thing that I think is gonna be a big issue moving forward for him is what is the optimal way team defense that that you need to play around him right do you play primarily a drop coverage and there's different types of drop coverage there isn't just you play the big back there's more things associated with it right are you playing weak weak is kind of like a pick and roll coverage where the ball handler is forcing the offensive player the ball handler to their weaker hand um are you are you playing a a higher drop where you're playing at the level of the screen, right? Those are the types of drop coverage I'm interested to see. First of all, is he going to be kind of strung into a drop coverage moving forward? And then second of all, what type of drop coverage, if he is going to play that, you know, what type of drop coverage will he be? But then I I do think, Jackson, as we go through the show, we have to talk about what we learned about him defensively. Because I don't think it's just as simple as we only saw him in one scheme and that's it. I think there's more to it that I think that we should talk about and have our listeners understand
0: Absolutely no. I, I think when, especially when you look at, when you look at all the success that Alpi had this past season in his in his sophomore campaign. I mean his his numbers jumped, right? I mean he went from averaging just under. 10 points a game and and five and a half boards a game, couple of assists, you know, all of his numbers grew across the board. The counting stats were great. He basically averaged, you know, we'll we'll call it 15 and 10 and then four dimes on top of that on 60% true shooting. Like the offensive numbers are incredible. And again, you know, I don't know how many times we've had to, you know, state this here on the show, but it felt like he achieved a lot of that almost in spite of, the fact that there was very little system put into place, not a lot of schemes built to help him succeed as as a big man, you know, taking advantage of some of the gifts that he has offensively. We even saw at points the coaching staff kind of, you know, changing things up where like at first they were, you know, they weren't encouraging, to, encouraging him to take three pointers. And then near the later end of the season, they were suddenly encouraging him to do that. So how much more does that help his offensive game if he works on the three ball this summer and comes back and is confident with that shot, right? And is able to actually space the floor effectively from that five spot. It, it really, that would be the thing that transforms him into the the true baby joker if you will the questions for him are always going to be on the defensive end right how does he look defensively how does he fit with the other four guys on the court sharing the court with him right how much of the onus is placed on his teammates to kind of make up for any limitations that he does have on that side of the basketball those are all the big questions I think that we have moving forward with Alper and Shinguna we're going to you know kind of tackle that question and think about some of the future fit with him on this team and you know with certain guys around him as we navigate the rest of the show we're going to get there in just one moment as well as getting to our our one game one play one number stats from this past season we're going to get there but first today's episode is brought to you by game time Look, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be a stressful experience, right? You're trying to go out and have fun. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater shows happening near you. GameTime has flash deals on last-minute tickets. They are easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event. They've got images of seat views so you know exactly the type of bang that you're getting for the buck that you are spinning. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Game Time is the place to go go to for last minute ticket deals and you can check them out now and save a little bit of money while doing so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on NBA for twenty dollars off your very first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we revisit and break down all of the different player reviews from this past season for your Houston Rockets, as well as looking ahead at the NBA draft lottery, which is right around the corner. All the implications. Next Tuesday. Oh, man. It's going to be Jackson. Jackson, since we usually record on Tuesday nights.
1: Does that mean I get to record the post draft lottery show with you?
0: Maybe. We'll see. We will see. Okay. We'll see what happens. Okay. okay. Anyways, let's 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 move on. Let's let's keep focus here on Alperin Shingoon.
1: He basically just rejected me like he rejects his hinge dates. It's
0: fine, guys. Oh, it's right. oh that deserves an that deserves an oh my. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stick with Alperin Shingun here. Hey, Houston fans. I am so happy. I'm curious because we've been navigating these player review profiles. We've done three of them so far. I've done a couple with Ben. We did the Jabari one last week, Ali Khan, And on the most recent one with Ben, Ben and I actually had some overlap on a couple of the... Because we, we go in blind. When, I, when we do these one game, one play, one number stats... We go in blind of the episode. We don't discuss this back and forth. Ben and I had some overlap on what we picked for the KPJ episode. So I'm curious. I'm going to let you go first. What one game stood out to you for Alper and Shingu in this season?
1: It's actually the game it's like the one of the last two games of the season. Uh-oh. 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 Is that is that one of your, is that one of your games?
0: It's not actually. So we're good.
1: Oh, okay. It's against Denver when they blew Denver out 124-121 um, towards the end. No, sorry, 124-103 towards the end of the season. Let me read you Alpi's stat line. It's pretty nice. He was, by the way, at plus 15 this game, as were all the starters. Um, he had 20 points, 7 assists, 10 rebounds, 4 offensive, 4 or 5 free throw shooting, 2 of 4 from 3, 1 block, 3 steals, three turnovers, seven to 14 shooting from the field in 37 minutes. Impressive. And this is the one, one of those few games where um, Steven Salas employed an actual eight-man rotation, played Dacian five minutes in that first half afterwards. It was just Usman, Josh, and Tari off the bench. And, pr- I mean, primarily it was honestly Tari, KJ, KPJ, Jabari, Alpi, and Jalen who played most of the second half. So the fact that AlP kind of stayed on the floor against Jokic limited him and did a great job in that matchup. I I think that was probably uh, one of his best games. And Let me tell you how poorly Jokic played: fourteen points on, I mean, seven of thirteen shooting, seven to thirteen shooting, but only fourteen points. Um, only two offensive rebounds. He um he had a couple, he had eight turnovers in that game, and so I just just from just from how well I feel like LP played in terms of defensively and highlighting his improvements through the course of the season. I really wanted to kind of put that game out there as a building block for him that, Hey, it was not only against Jokic who you root for, you put in the work and you stopped him offensively. And that to me was, more was more impressive than anything he did offensively
0: if, if memory serves I want to say this was the game that Steven Silas said afterwards was the best defensive performance of Alpi's career if I'm not mistaken there was there was I, I believe I, so it was around that time period it was, that it, was like, it was like it was like the very game. end of the season and I think I think this was the game that that was in reference to so that that adds even more credence to what you you were pointing out you know the just the the defensive component of what Alpi brought to the table I do want to highlight LPG's defense and I will with two of my two of my three components here as we're navigating the rest of the episode but how could I not I, I for my game man I had to pick the Lakers game it was it was a great game. it was a fantastic game we watched Alper and Shingun absolutely dominate against the Lakers and look I know there was no Anthony Davis that game right he was cooking a combination of Thomas Bryant and I believe winning Gabriel in that game they had zero answer for him But Alpi against the Lakers in what was easily, to this point, still the best offensive performance of his entire career, I think. 33 points, had 15 boards, 6 dimes, 4 blocks, 14 of 17 shooting, was 2 of 2 from long distance, and was 3 of 5 at the free throw line. That's like the one stat on the entire evening where you look at it and you're like, all right, he he went 60% from the line. But that game, just remembering him going at the Lakers repeatedly and them having zero answer for how to deal with them, you got that glimpse of just like, yeah, this kid's kind of unstoppable. Now, again, Thomas Bryant, Winnie and Gabriel, sure, not the greatest defenders of all time. But they really didn't have an answer for him, right? And it kind of showed you what Alpec could do if you really just gave him the ball and let him go to town, right? And this was during that stretch of time without Kevin Porter Jr., I believe. If I'm not mistaken, um, it, it might... Was this during during KPJ's big absence? I want to say it was.
1: I have, I, was I a, probably have to go back and check January uh,
0: 16th. Okay, this might not uh, you know, I I apologize. I first off, KPJ wasn't in this game, so regardless of if it was during his big absence or if it was just like the small, you know, one of his miscellaneous missed games throughout the season.
1: No, uh this wasn't. is a game that KPJ did not play.
0: That's what I'm saying. He wasn't in the game. Sorry. I was like clarifying that. I just couldn't remember if it, if it overlap, if it, if it lined up with KPJ's like extended absence or if it was just like a, he missed one game and he was back in the lineup the next night. Couldn't remember that off the top of my head. You know,
1: you, you bring up, you bring up his offensive output. I'm going to go back to his defense real quick.
0: Well, before before you shift, before you shift, I wanted to finish off that point. The point was, right, we got a glimpse very briefly of what Alp could look like when given more usage right when given more touches when given more opportunity offensively and again if memory serves this was one of those games during the stretch where you saw like alp kind of dominating it was like oh oh this is what it can look like if he actually touches the rock a bit more and gets to be more of a focal point within the offense rather than kind of an afterthought after Jalen and kevin get their touches and this was this game was like his coming out party right where it's like okay he's dominant he can do this Please, for the love of God, get him more touches because he can do this on a regular basis. That was the point that I wanted to make, and that's you, you but know, then I fell down the rabbit hole about whether or not <laughs> where where Kevin played and didn't play. Go to your point about the defense.
1: Well, I'll I'll just continue on the offense, and we'll get to the defense. Just on this on this specific game, this was a really good game. If you go back and watch to highlight dribble handoffs and how well Alp kind of excels in that situation, I bring that up because I think with Ime Yudoka, we're going to see more of that kind of high perimeter action for Alper and Schengen. What I mean by that is one play, I'll give you an example. It's, it's called wide action, wide, W-I-D-E. Um, and what happens is that you have a ball handler. Let's 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 pretend we're just visualizing. I don't have it in front of me. We'll just visualize it. You have a ball handler on the right side towards the wing. All right? Jackson's closing his eyes. Right <laughs> side towards the wing. You have a big at the top of the key. In this case, that's Alper and Schengen. And then you have another player that's going to be a shooter, or a ball handler on the left side, okay? So the person on the right is the ball handler, has the ball. He's going to wait for Al-Pete to set a wide screen, which means that the player on the left is going to come off of kind of like a little brush, flare, pin-down kind of screen, come off of that, trap his man, come off the move, catch the ball with either a catch-and-shoot or ability to drive down the lane, or stop with the ball and then transition to maybe a pick-and-roll or screen and roll with Albert and Shingu. That is a play I think we're going to see a lot more. We saw a lot of that in that specific game with Jalen coming off those wide screens, um, with Eric passing him the ball, or Eric coming off those wide screens. I think that's something we, that will become a staple in this Ime Yudoka offense because he ran it a lot in boss with Al Horford, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, and also Jason Tatum. So it would be like Marcus Smart handling the ball. You have Jalen, who's really good on the move, attacking downhill, coming off that Al Horford screen, going downhill. And if the defense collapses, you have to pass back to Al Horford for the three. And as you talked about, Al is working on his three-point shot. He's also working on his upper body uh, muscle to be able to kind of shoot from longer ranges. And I really do think he's going to come into next season working on hopefully shooting 35-ish percent from three at a little higher volume than he has so far in his first two years.
0: I mean, just the... The thought about what he's able to do, because the thing is this past season, even when defenses weren't necessarily honoring him as a shooter and they were backing off of him at the three point line, he's still such a good decision maker. And you still have to account for the fact that if guys are running, you know, using him as a wall, as a screen in dribble handoff sets, or if he looks to create by dribbling the ball in from the three point line he's still able to make things happen. Right? It's such a it's such a distinct difference from when the Rockets were running, say, Daniel Tice at their five spot, right? And, and Tice was also treated as a non-shooter offensively and pretty much any possession that ended with Daniel Tice shooting a three was a win for the opposing defense. Tice couldn't create out of that five spot. And that's the difference between Alpi and, and another non-shooting five is when you can pass, when you can facilitate the ball, you are not, a offensive liability right there's a reason that Draymond Green despite you know being the backpack three-point shooter that he is is still a really effective talented offensive player because defenses still have to account for him even if he doesn't you know shoot the best of percentages from beyond the arc and even if they give him all the space in the world he still makes creates opportunities for Steph for Clay he'll drive the ball in he'll do different things to kind of make stuff happen offensively, and that only gets easier for Alpi if he brings back a three ball into this next season. Coming up, we're going to get into our one play and one number from this past season, as well as any additional thoughts we have about Alperin Shingun's year, plus our letter grade for his season. We'll get to all of that and more in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We've got our one play, one number to get through here in this final segment for Alperin Shingun season. Alec, you want to start us off with the play you had in mind or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay.
1: All right. So this was a play on January 21st against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was Alperin Shingun posting up against Nas Reed. Tari Eason with the entry pass. He's just looking, telling his guys to spread out a little bit, give him some space. Makes a spoon move baseline. Double team comes and behind the back pass to a cutting Josh Christopher in the lane for the dunk. I, I don't know how. I don't know how he recognized somebody who was going to be there because just the spacing was pretty awful as soon as he made the spin move. Um, but Josh cut and somebody was there. I think, honestly, the pass could have been for Ty Ty. He was in the slot, who was also cutting. But that was an incredible play. That dude has incredible vision (laughs) when he's facing baseline. He still makes a really good pass. So, um, that, to me, was my favorite play of
0: his he, he He was, like, frozen for a second, too. Like, like just, and, and he's had so many of those moments, right, throughout his career already in just two two seasons worth of games where he'll pick up his dribble, and there's, like, he's either double or triple teamed, and you're thinking, there's absolutely no way in hell he's going to get rid of this basketball somehow and actually, and let alone get rid of the ball, but also do something positive with it, right? It's almost like we can revisit the... uh the behind-the-back pass he had against the Celtics from his rookie year, right? He was, like, double or triple teamed out on the perimeter and wrapped the pass around two or three separate defenders and got it into the paint. I believe it was Josh Christopher on the receiving end of that pass, too. So, something yeah. about, like, Jacob and P just have this chemistry with one another where... I don't... I, I don't know, man. I don't know. You don't know what? I
1: I don't know. Do you think P is... The best passer, not just on this team, but the best big passer besides Nikola Jokic in the NBA? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think I can say that pretty confidently. Ooh, man. Who, who, okay. would, who would you put over him is the problem. Like, here's the thing. Kevin S- Love. No.
1: Ke- Kevin Love, 100,000%.
0: Kevin Love is a right good now. Kevin Love is a good passer. I don't think he a I don't think he has the volume, and two, I don't think that he has the like he's an effective right. passer. I don't think he has the jaw dropping passes that LP has.
1: Okay, fine. I'm I'm not gonna say hundred thousand percent whatever my hyperbole was. I'm gonna take that back. But I, I do think maybe Kevin there's Love maybe maybe
0: passer. there's an argument there. I think P is very clear. Like after Jokic though. Like it's Alp, man. Like I just, I, I, you know, he's the guy that's consistently putting up like highlight real level passes, and I think that his vision is the crazy part, right? I don't think Kevin Love has quite the vision that Alp has, right? There's passes that Alp makes where he doesn't even see the guy coming, right? Like he had the the drive in transition, right? Where he fed the ball back to Jay Sean Tate that one game. And yeah. like he like, at no point did he turn his head or see, he just knew he had Jay Sean Tate behind him. And then it wasn't like the prettiest play, but it was effective and it worked. I just don't see give Kevin me that, Love doing some give of those passes.
1: Dude. Give me that dude.
0: So um. yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm gonna say it with my chest. Al P is the best passing big man, not named Nikola Jokic in the entire NBA. I feel confident saying that.
1: Okay, all right. How about your play? What's your play?
0: So what's funny is I was kind of in between a handful of plays. um, And that was one of my plays was the behind the back to Josh Christopher. So we did have a little bit of overlap there. Um, I'm going to say, and I don't have a, the thing is, I don't have a specific example of this because there were so many of them, but it's just the inverted three, five pick and roll between him and KJ Martin that we saw become a bit of a staple in the offense, honestly, throughout the season, because it felt like the one way, I know I talked about it earlier, you kind of Alpe succeeding in spite of Steven Siles. It felt like the one play, the one action, whatever that where Alp was clearly the focal point and running things. And it felt like the one little wrinkle that they added. And they're like, Hey, this is something creative we can do to utilize Alpi's passing. Let's do this. And it felt like we kind of saw it, you know, once or twice a game, especially during that final, like one fourth, one third of the season it became a pretty consistent staple of the offense. And that's just like, to me, the tip of the iceberg of some of the creative stuff that you can do with Alper and Shingun as a primary facilitator on the floor. And with the chemistry that he shares with KJ Martin, KJ's excellent screening ability, just getting Alper and KJ in the pick and roll together just worked so well. And so that to me is, again, it's not one specific play because I could go, I could go grab 20 of them. And, you know, it'd be hard to pick the best one just because... Whenever they did convert on it, right? Alp gets the pass over the top. KJ soars up into the air, just yams it down over the top of the defense. That vertical spacing threat—it was always a ton of fun to see. So that to me is 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 my one play, even though it's not a very specific occurrence or iteration of that play because we saw it so often. So I don't know. I, okay. I just really like that duo. They've got they've got great chemistry with one another as well.
1: Honorable mention: one play for me was Alp dunking the ball from like just just inside the free throw line against the Bulls he missed the oh. dunk but the the ball bounced up and went into the thing. so it was not really a really missed dunk it was a dunk but
0: it, a dunk it, that bounced yeah.
1: off the iron and bounced in but i i really enjoyed that play cuz he was he was going for the kill
0: i'm going to i and I, you know what i'll give you one honorable mention as well then um the waved off poster in San Antonio on that was Zach a great Collins dunk. That was a great dunk. That was a <laughs> fantastic dunk, and Al P. was so mad that it didn't count. I well, remember- I mean,
1: considering how much Zach Collins was trying to bully him yeah. that game, yeah, he had enough. He was like, I'm am going to attack this guy. So, Dude, yeah, full good.
0: full steam ahead, and, and the best part was his post-game. We're in the locker room. We're interviewing the guys. We do Al P.'s quick little interview. His are always the fastest, right, because, you know, it's just, I, I don't know why, you know, Nobody ever wants to ask multiple questions because, I don't know, language barrier or whatever. His interview lasted me all of like 90 seconds. And then right as we put in our phones and recorders away and stuff, he goes, he goes, that was a clean dunk, right guys? Like he waited for us to stop recording and then he started to complain about the fact that the dunk got waved off. He was like sitting there, you know, feet in the ice bucket and everything. And it was just like the funniest thing because he was really annoyed. He really wanted that dunk to count. We were like, no, no, no. Yeah, like it, I, I should have told him, I was like, dude, the way Ja Morant dunks Every single one of Jaws' posters, he puts the forearm out there, the off arm, forearm, and never gets whistled for the offensive foul. But the moment Al P. does it, offensive ridiculous call. So we, we yeah, man, him.
1: there's there's, a, there's definitely a referee bias in the NBA against it's, Alper and
0: Shangoon. No, it's not a referee, bi- no, it's not a referee bias against Alper and Shingoon or the Rockets. I'm not that's what I'm saying. It's a referee bias against Biggs.
1: Guards, no, 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 no. guards. No, guards get it. away
0: with the off arm way more than bigs do. It's only Alp.
1: Alp is the <laughs> only person in the NBA who gets calls against him, and no other big. It happens to no other. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm done being sarcastic. Because oh, people actually, God. people actually believe what I'm saying. No, let's let's not do that. Okay, let's get to our stat, Jackson. You all ahead.
0: right, all right. You want you want first dibs, or you want me to go first? You go ahead. All right, my stat, my one number, if you will, is. 140. Can you guess what the 140 is?
1: How much weight he wants to add on?
0: <laughs> no, it's um it's how many, how many hinge threes? dates Alper and Shingun win on this past season. No, anyways. Uh no, it is his stocks, his steals and blocks from this past season. Oh, that's impressive. That's a pretty good number. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm so he so he had he had 70 blocks, 70 steals, so 140 total. Um And he was actually only one of three players this past season to have a minimum of 70 blocks and 70 steals. The other two guys, uh, Jade McDaniels, who had 74 steals and 76 blocks, and then Patrick Williams, who had 72 steals and 70 blocks. Those were the only three guys in the NBA that cleared 70 in both stats as far as just total numbers, total blocks and steals for the season. And I think that kind of shows a little bit and matches the eye test Alperin Shingoon defensively has quick hands, makes good decisions, and can be effective on the mm. defensive side.
1: Mm. Goes into what I wanted to talk about, Jackson.
0: Okay. What you got for us? So what's, I, what's, I, your, what's, your to... what's your number? What's your number? Don't give me the context. I want to see what I if I can figure it no, out.
1: No, no, no. Well, I, I, my number will come. I want to I want to go into more detail about this.
0: Okay. Actually, I'll, you know what? I'll just give you a number. 647. 647. Well, it's is that the time we started this recording at or what like what is what is 647?
1: That's the amount of possessions LP was involved in defending pick and roll.
0: Ooh, look at you going deep into the synergy stats. 63% of his possessions were against pick and roll.
1: 15th percentile. 1.02 points per possession given up when LP was defending pick and roll. Now you're going to hear him like, bro, that's an awful number. Let me tell you straight up, that is an awful number.
0: It is an awful number.
1: (laughs) However, I'm going to give you a different stat to kind of go through what you're talking about with his attributes of having quick hands. Spot up, which was around 15 to 16% of his possessions. 66th percentile, 0.98 points per possession. Better. Pretty decent. Why am I bringing that up? Because... There were situations this season where Jabari was the one defending pick and roll and ALP was the one hidden in the weak side in the corner against the worst three-point shooter on the of the opposing team. What does that do that allows ALP to be able to roam? And that that allows ALP to be able to kind of use his hands, play the gaps and play the lanes and come up with turnovers. Also post-ups where ALP actually did a pretty I, I mean he was pretty average but I would say he did a pretty decent job creating turnovers. When he was defending post-ups, he created turnovers on 16% of possessions. Every six times a player posted him up, it resulted in a turnover, which is pretty good. For most, for, for really good post defenders like James Harden, that's around 22 to 25% of one every four possessions or one every five. But for Alpi to be on one every six and now going to add more upper body mass, and be able to contest more in the post, another area where the Rockets could really take advantage of his hands to be able to create some turnovers. So to me, I want to bring those things up because, yes, Alpi may struggle in, in you know defending in space, especially when he's in a deep drop situation off of pick and roll. But I think you've seen enough where he has quick hands. You can play him and drop where he's at the level of the screen, right? Because then he's disrupting the initial flow. Or you can hedge with him where he's using his hands to get in the passing lanes. Or you can blitz with him and use his hands and his quick feet in, in that situation. Not quick feet in general, but quick feet in that situation to be able to kind of ice the person or put them towards the the, the, the sideline. Then if you put him in the corner, he has nice hands, he can go up and get some blocks. Some of his blocks were pretty athletic blocks, honestly, that he had from the weak side this season. So I, I I don't think we should just pigeonhole him to just playing deep drop, I think. When you watch the film, when you look at the stats, look at the percentages, it does tend, or it does lend for you to believe that he can do things that are just beyond um, playing drop coverage. And maybe not only will it help him get confidence defensively, but maybe it's just better suited for his teammates as well to help him whenever they're playing that different type of defensive coverage. Because yes, a lot of it falls to LP as that last line of defense. But also his teammates didn't do a good job of obviously contesting at the perimeter or having good point of attack defense or doing specific things. So there are things based off of Alpi's skill set, and these percentages show that the Rockets can potentially do. And the way Ime Yudoka plays, and I've mentioned this multiple times, Ime Yudoka is a defensive coach who likes to sometimes have a hybrid between zone and man, which means playing the gaps of the the driving gaps and the passing gaps that people like or players like to most take advantage of, if he can help teach LP how to play in those positions or play in those lanes where passes or drives are probably going to be made, that allows LP to use his quick hands to be able to create turnovers. So just to kind of allude to your point you were making about his sto- his stocks, I really do think that's something that we can see going into next season. That that's a skill that Ime Yudoka can unlock with LP, and, and you know allow these a lot a lot of these percentages that we're seeing. Um, you know, to, to be something that helps LP get more playing time defensively. All right. My stat though, real quick. You know
0: I thought that was really your stat. Talk. I thought that was your stat. What is this? You gave us no, the no, number at the more, top and everything. One more, one more oh one my more god, top. the one more stat king. I just <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay,
1: okay. He averaged five assists over his last 40 games of the season. He only averaged 2.5 assists his first 36 games of this. Those
0: season. are two stats. That's not one stat. Those are two stats. Hey, man. That's, hey that's, man, that's right what here. you call one category of stats. You wanted to talk about assists, and then you gave me two stats.
1: I have one more stat. I have
0: one more stat. <laughs> it's like, obvi- he's, you are the Billy Mays of stats. You're like, but wait, there's more. You're just going to keep digging and keep going. What are you coming out with next? Flex Seal. Like, how do we fix Alperin and Shingoon's defense? Flex seal, flex tape. All right, go. He
1: was like the youngest and center in the NBA, in NBA history to record a triple
0: double. That's it. There we go. All right. I know you got that one straight from Rockets PR too because I got that one. So <laughs> <laughs> like that's, I'm like, I know exactly where this stat came from. All right. With that, we've we've talked a lot about Alper and Shingoon in this episode. Ali Khan, give me your grade for Alperin and Shingoon this past season. B, B minus. Is it B or B minus? B minus. B minus, okay, all right. I'm I'm gonna go the opposite direction. I'm gonna give him a B plus. Nobody so far has cracked an A as far as my grading scale goes. I do think there are, you know, some drawbacks or some potential drawbacks to him defensively, right? Although for a lot of the reasons that we've already highlighted, there should be optimism about him moving forward, especially with a, a creative defensive coach like Ime Odoka. And there's a lot of, promise and optimism about what he brings to the table offensively so i'm just i haven't gone overboard Jalen got a b plus from me so i'm going i'm going b plus i
1: gave jabari uh, i gave jabari a b minus last time too i'm keeping consistent b minus for lp and jabari both
0: okay all right b minuses across the board then on that note ali khan you know the drill let everybody know where to track you down at
1: you can follow me on twitter at rockets underscore insider um. Just make sure your followers are locked on. We will be doing that show here in a few weeks on the scheme, uh, kind of going through what we'll see schematically from Emmanuel Duncan with this team. Also, also, also,
0: also. One more stat.
1: <laughs> no, no. Well, I have a request for Rockets fans listening. Oh, okay. Jackson. We have to set him up
0: with the girl. No. Oh, God, no. I'm No. On that note, on that note, the episode (laughs) is over. Um, Yeah, all that good stuff. Follow Ali Khan on all his socials. He didn't even plug his socials. That's his fault. But we're getting out of here. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.